Avenue, episode 39, where we're a double-gated community talking life, culture, music, racism, sports, amongst other things. But always, thanks for the support. Please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and of course, YouTube. I am AC3 Savage, joined today uh, by the wonderful L Chapa and the magnificent Marcus Sniffles. How's everybody doing today? Oh, magnificent. <laughs> yeah, magnificent. I can honestly I can honestly say I've never been inside of a double gated community or lived in a double gated community like ever. I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> but so we'll go ahead and kind of just uh get things started for today. Um it's been a pretty crazy week with a lot of different things going on. So uh, before we get started, I would like to say a special shout out to Marcus this week. Made some power plays behind the scenes. So um, definitely shout out to you. Um, so just so everyone knows, I'm going to read something really quick. So, you know, this is February the 13th. We're recording this. You guys will probably get it February the 16th. So, you know, tomorrow's a very special day. Me, L, and Aunt Breezy shot an episode about Valentine's Day. Y'all know how it gets down. So, fellas, if you need some ideas to put your woman in the mood tonight or tomorrow or the next day or next week or next month, however often you're clapping those cheeks with jaw-dropping passionate sex, go to adamandeve.com and feel free to check out their large inventory of lingerie, toys, including the rose petal that's kind of blowing up the scene, and other lubricants, please remember to type in KTSE, that's Kangaroo Tango Sierra Echo, at the checkout for discounts and free gifts guaranteed to make that pussy wet or that dick hard. How's everybody doing today? <laughs> I'm ready for Valentine's Day now. I'm away. I want to start out, th- thanks to the IRS this week. Uh, I checked my mail and they sent me this thing today saying that I got like my secular second stimulus coming. So I was like, oh shit, you know, I'm about to get some money soon. Go on this stupid ass thing. And I already got the second stimulus. So th- thank Damn. you for the, for the no look, for the foolery today. Balling this up because I don't give a shit about this country. No, I'm just playing. I do. Um, but shout out to Donald Trump mm-hmm. who, uh, or, or Teflon Don who avoided impeachment, um, but we'll go ahead and skip for it beyond that. I want to talk this week about a couple of things that the rapper The Game said, um, basically coming out and saying that bar for bar, track for track, he's the best rapper to ever come out of Compton. Um, I'll start out with you, Marcus. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, there, there's a Compton is a legendary place when it comes to rap. Like, it's probably only second to New York. What are your thoughts about him claiming to be the boat? Did he did he say he was the best out of Compton? Did he say he was the best out of California? I thought he said out of California. Well, I thought it was just Compton, but if it's California, that takes it to another level. Yeah, e- either way, it would be impressive um, to, to make that claim. But, like, when you first read that, your initial thought is to be like, Nah, the game's not the best rapper out of Compton. He's not the best rapper out of California. And then you kind of think about it, like, 
there's obviously legends that came out of Compton, like Dre and Easy and things like that. But when we're talking like lyrics, you know, you have Kendrick Lamar, obviously, he came out after the game. But Game has put in a lot of work and he's put in a lot of good to great albums. Um, I, I said on Twitter that I would put the game's discography, like his entire discography, up against anybody's. Not saying not saying his discography is the greatest ever, but if if I had to pick someone, if someone was like, okay, I got uh Jay-Z. Pick a, pick a rapper. I'm like, I would feel comfortable going in with the game. Not saying I'm going to win that battle, but I'd feel comfortable. I'd be like, you know what? Game's got some classic albums. He's got some hits. And when it comes to, like, rapping, rapping, dude can rap. Like, you know, a, a lot of people will say Kendrick Lamar, but you look at uh, the Control Verse, right? The Control Verse made a lot of noise when it came out. And it should have. It was a pretty big deal. But we don't we, we forget what the game did after he left G Unit. Like the game went at an entire crew that was known for rapping hard. Like he went at the biggest rapper ever. He went at that guy's crew that he used to be on. He went at guys that like wrote hooks for him. So they had they he went on he went against people that had the backing of Dr. Dre and Eminem. And he won those battles. Like you take uh what is it like 500 bars, 600 bars, all any of those verses, and you put that against uh, the control verse, the game wins that one. All the game's diss tracks are better than Kendrick's diss track. Like, the uh, the cypher he did in the BET Hip Hop Awards is better than, than the control verse. So the game is a really, really good rapper. Like, his, his floor, when it comes to his album, it's pretty high. He doesn't have a bad album in his catalog at all. So he's got a case. I'm not saying he's right, but he does have a case. And I agree with you 100%. Um, I've been listening to the game. I mean, it came out in 05. So, you know, pretty much my entire adult life. And he has, he's put out a lot of good albums, a lot of good tracks. Uh, the documentaries probably, it, it should be in everybody's top 20 to top 25 all-time albums. Um, 1992, which is a little bit more recent, was another one I would say, if you're not saying classic, it's damn near classic. Just didn't get a lot of radio buzz. Um, disc, disc tracks, 300 bars is probably a top five, top 10 disc record of all time. Uh, 120 bars. Uh, he had the Jesus Peace album, uh, the Red album, Doctor's Advocate, uh, the documentary to LAX, like he, this guy, he has really put the work in to be called an all time great, not just out of California. If we reduce it down to Compton, I'm comfortable putting him up against Schoolboy Q, Kendrick Lamar, uh, Dr. Dre, Easy E, Ice Cube. I, I know Snoop Dogg is LBC, but Snoop, any of those guys, like I'm, I'm comfortable and confident as well to put him against any of those. Either you drag out the whole California and we want to talk about DJ Quick or E-40 or Too Short, I, I'll put him up against any of those in any which way that you want to say, like whether it's he can write any type of song. I don't know about his freestyling skills. Disc skills are A1. Like he's on par with the best of the best. He, he's a great artist and he does have a point. And I do kind of feel like 
to an extent because of the way he left G-Unit, probably leaves a sour taste in some of our East Coast people's, you know, mouths because, of course, G-Unit was huge when he went after them with the mm-hmm. G-Unit campaign. Like, they were the biggest group with the biggest artists, and he was coming directly at them. And I think sometimes that'll leave a sour taste in people's mouth. Similar to, I know people that will big up Biggie, and I know I'm kind of going, switching subjects a little bit. They'll big up Biggie, but because Tupac dissed Biggie, they'll then say, oh, well, Tupac has no classic albums. Oh, well, Tupac was just a volume rapper, or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, sometimes you have to start to look beyond that and look at the actual body of work. I know for me, I've had a lot of conversations with South Breeze about it. I really didn't necessarily care for Doctor's Advocate as much, but I think looking back in retrospect, it might be more so because you're coming down from a classic album to just what I felt like was a good album. And then it was very West Coast with the sound. And me being, I mean, I lived on the West Coast for about four years, but predominantly I'm, I'm dirty South, you know, with the goals in my mouth and all that. And I use a lot of Ebonics. But beyond that, everything else <laughs> has just been great. So I, I definitely can, I, I see where he's coming from. Kendrick Lamar is a great, great rapper. He'll probably be an all-time great as well. But I just don't see it. Like, I, I can see where game is coming from. So why do you guys feel as though this is coming to be now? Like, is he trying to make a point? Is he trying to prove himself? Like, when was the last time he had music? Is he trying to make himself more relevant now? You know, like, I understand. So when he left G-Unit and everything, and he went against, and he did the whole G-Unit campaign, um, being from the East Coast, that was huge. That was massive. That was a hurt. You know, it was a, a huge blow. And he did it successfully because he's clearly a lyricist. I'm not going to say here, like, I know all of his music, all of this, all of that, but I do know that he's talented. Yet, I still can't shake the feeling that I don't feel like he gets his flowers, as they say. He doesn't necessarily get his respect all the way, all the time. So do you think now, suddenly, you know, we're talking more about best artists of the year, best artists of this, best artists of, like, all these lists that are coming out now. You don't really hear him mention, partially because he's not coming out with new music, but do you think this is an attempt to keep his name relevant? Like, what's what do you think is the reasoning for all this? Because, like, you guys have both listed, clearly, he's talented, he's got the bars to back up his claim, but it still feels like he's trying to prove something. Whereas most of these right. other guys, like, you don't see Kendrick trying to prove something. I think, well, he did He did say after his last time, he did put out a project in uh, 2019, and he said after that he was done rapping. But I think it's just uh, it's a matter of, um, now with people kind of being, you know, shut in and locked out, like people are doing more interviews, more talking, and maybe he's just yeah. reflecting on, you know, where he's where he's been and what he's done. Because I, I could I could see coming from where he's coming from and the amount of work that he's put in and his longevity that you know all of a sudden Kendrick Lamar, who who's been rapping for a while but not as long as the game is just kind of just supplanted him as not on, not only the king of the West Coast, but the king of rap altogether. And I can I can see him feeling a type of way because when he when he got kicked out of G Unit, his career should have been over. Like at that point. Theoretically, I like people assume that. Absolutely. Absolutely. If, if any 
if any other member, if Lloyd Banks, if Young Buck, if Tony Ayo, any of those three guys would have got kicked out of G-Unit at that time, their careers would be over. Like, legitimately, you wouldn't know who those guys are. They wouldn't have had any, new, any buzz in the streets. Game got kicked out of G-Unit and went up against them and continued to put out great to like good to great albums like consistently there was never a time where you're just like dang game just ain't got it and 50 cent 50 cent was out there ruining people's careers like fat joe has some issues ja rule hasn't recovered since so for the game for the, <laughs> where for the, is ja <laughs> what is he, exactly that's all we talk that's all we know about john and Firefest. but it's just like the game shouldn't be here, but he is still here. And I will I will easily, I'll readily put him in my top 10 all time. Like, if you're talking, if you, like, when you mention top 10 rappers, he doesn't get mentioned a lot. And once you start looking at his discography, his catalog, some of the records he's put out, his freestyles, his diss records, everything that you would want to check off on a rapper's, like, history or legacy, the game has that. There's nothing that he hasn't, there's nothing that say like Kendrick has done on a song that the game is incapable of. Like he is capable of doing all those things. So I don't know if it's it, it can't be and it can't be a West Coast bias because like Kendrick's from the West Coast, but uh, I don't know. It, it might have something to do with some of his his Twitter Twitter antics. Um, he kind of pulls a playbook out of '50s playbook as far as. Uh, you know, trying to stir stuff up when it's time to sell something. But if you just listen to the music, the music's great. Like, it's, it's, you can't deny that stuff. So he's he's definitely, in my book, a top 10 rapper ever. I, I definitely, the, first of all, I like to, that was a great question, L, and a great response, Marcus. And I'm kind of a little bit on the same trajectory with this, uh, with the, like, toward a, towards the last thing that you said, the game is known for trying to stir things up right before something is dropping or to kind of keep his name relevant. I mean, he had the man dick silhouette thing going on the one time. He punched 40 oh, yeah, I forgot about that. On TV. I forgot. Um, yeah. Him dissing, uh, who, who did this? Meek Mill, and it kind of had nothing to do with him. You know, like he, he's done some things and it's like, what are you doing? Like this has nothing to do with you. So I don't know, is but I, I definitely I don't other than that, I don't have really much too much to say because I just agree with Marcus like hundred percent. I mean he is, he can take the claim. Yeah, go ahead. It's 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 annoying that he has it, it's annoying that he does that because he doesn't have to. You know what I'm saying? Like like Rick Ross doesn't do that. Uh Drake <laughs> doesn't do that. Push your teeth like there's a <laughs> I don't know what I said that made him do that. But just just in general, like, Nick Cole don't do that. Big Sean doesn't do that. Wale doesn't do that. And those are artists that don't need to. There's artists that probably should do it that need to. Like, I've been I've been kind of on this train for a minute now. Like, I think Rhapsody needs to do that. Like, she needs to start stirring up some beef and then put out a record. Because I have, I have, I literally have no idea how to market her as a rapper to get her more attention outside of her just being like, hey man, fuck Kendrick Lamar, he's whack. Like I'm tired of the baby the baby baby and the voice blah 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 like this con say you know and diss him and, and and not on not on some not on some like play play shit like oh this is just some competition on some like real like yo 
I'm tired of all this. Kendrick is the king of rap. He's the best rapper ever. I've been on songs with Kendrick Lamar and I outrapped him. Get off that man's dick. I'm the better rapper. And come at him super hard. Get people to start putting eyes on you like, oh, what's going on with this? Why is she talking like this? She's talking real spicy. Oh, let me go listen to this song off of, off of Layla's Wisdom. Let me go listen to the song off of To Pimp a Butterfly. Oh, she's right. She did outrap Kendrick Lamar. So I'm going to go check out her album. And just, and like, she could easily, easily go at J. Cole. Well, that's the whole conversation about female rappers and the expectations of female rappers and successful female rappers and their, there's a certain image that they should uphold in order to be successful. There's a, there's, there's a certain market for them and that's it. They can't, they can't step out of it. And that's not to say, you know, obviously sex sells and everything else, not to say there's, not, there's something wrong with that. But when you look at an artist like Rhapsody, where she can go against the top dogs, like male dogs and outbar them and everything yes. as you're saying, that's no, 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 that's not your lane. No, 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 go put on, you know, go shake your ass, go do this, go do something yeah. else. Like go, go but- live within the confines that we put for you. But that's a lane that I feel like only she could fill. Like, like Cardi can't do that. Cardi sure. B can't be like because she could back Cardi- it up. Yeah. yeah, Cardi B can't. Cardi B can't be out here like, yo, I'm a better rapper than Drake. She's not like, and no one would think that. They would just be like, this is a publicity stunt. Like, I love Megan. Well, let me not say that. But like, mm. Flo, like, like Flo, <laughs> Flo Millie can't come out and be like, yo, I'm better than Kendrick, and people take her seriously. If Rhapsody comes out and says like, yo, J Cole. Best bars you got. I'm about to. I'm about to get at you. And I feel like if it if it was me, if I'm putting my money on like a hey, Rhapsody and J Cole going for a you know going bar for bar battle rapping, who do you got? I'm not. It's not an automatic that I'm taking J Cole on that, and it's not an automatic that he wins. That's a questionable. That's a toss up to me. Yeah. That's yeah, a yeah, toss up. Yeah. And you want to get people talking? Do that. And I I, I wish she would. And it seems kind of cheesy. But I don't. I think it's. I think it would work because no one else could do that. No one's listening to your music. No one's watching your videos. You can't lose. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> it it sucks. Like, you know what's crazy? She's got big, big people behind her. Like Shawn the God is a big advocate for her, and he's got how many millions of followers just to name one. And yet, still, I just feel like she's still not getting the publicity that she deserves. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a, she would be a tough out for any rapper right now. From I'm talking from Kendra down. If Rhapsody comes at your neck, like on some serious shit, it's going to be tough for you. It doesn't matter who, it's going to be a long day for you. <laughs> Definitely agree with that. And um, so just so, because I was laughing uncontrollably because I pervert. <laughs> so when you said Rick Ross, I immediately said, no, and I'm not fat shaming. If you like big bearded, big bellied men and you want to see their dick prints, that's up to you. But it made me giggle a little bit. So that's what I was uh, <laughs> laughing about. And I had to run away and wipe tears from my eyes because that was very funny. <laughs> Rhapsody definitely, I mean, I was turned on to her about a year ago, Bob Marcus. Um, yeah. She, she is a hell of a rapper. Like, I, I give her credit. So. Uh, what we'll do from here, I think we'll put a bow on that one. Um, we will go ahead and go forward with a documentary that came out here recently um, about a legendary pop star. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to 
pass this mic, imaginary mic, over to L and get her to talk about what she thought about this Britney Spears documentary. All righty, man. So if you haven't seen it, the New York Times has this um, show on Hulu that it airs. And most recently, they dropped the episode on Britney Spears. It's just an hour, a little over an hour long. So it's not like a whole... Kind of the whole long thing. And basically, everybody talks about Britney and, you know, her rise to fame and the classic. She shaped her head and the fat and the third and she went cuckoos and everything else. But what I really appreciated with this show was that they went into detail about her current state now. So if you've seen anything, um, if you've been on Twitter and said, you know, like, free Britney, free Britney. And the reason for that is because ever since like the past 12 years, Homegirl has been, it's been 12 years, you guys, where she has been on, um, they call it conservatorship. So forgive me, I'm learning all these new terms. But basically conservatorship is normally when you give it to older people who have dementia, Alzheimer's and such, they can't make all these decisions for themselves. So somebody else, so it's a court appointed person who is, in charge of all of their affairs, their financial affairs, their person as well. So I include all the medical and stuff like that, who will plug X, Y, and Z. So a lot of these decisions are normally up to like say a husband or a wife, but that that's not the case for her right now. The person who has conservatorship and who has had conservatorship over Brittany is her father, which already has been super scandalous because as the documentary shows, he wasn't very present in her life. You see her mom, mom a lot, you see her assistant a lot, but you don't hear a lot about her dad. He was in and out of her life. And suddenly she was already at the top of her game. And yeah, she's starting to demise. She's starting to get the pressures of the paparazzi and life and everything else. He comes in to take over, quite literally, um, over her decisions and over her money, especially her estate. So in this documentary, you guys should really watch it because it goes into all the details about her rise and her fall. Um, and it just shows, and thinking back, I'm like, man, I remember when she shaved her head, I was just along with everybody else, man, she's crazy, she's this, she's that, but I get it. I get, like, like, I totally get it, because she was dealing with all of this pressure, the whole Justin breakup, they go into details about that, uh, when her and Justice Timberlake broke up, and how she was played out to be the villain. Uh, right, you know, he came out with Cry Me a River, and I love that song to this day, but we all saw the video, and we knew what he was in, you know, ex- insinuating, and so basically trying to get pretty cheated, blah, 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 and then it also, recently, if you guys were paying attention, he released this really long statement apologizing to Britney, as well as to Janet Jackson. Too late, bro. Mm-hmm. Too late. It took how many fucking years? Too late. Um, but he released this, this long ass statement apologizing and just acknowledging his role and no. um, you know, it was it was quite misogynistic when you think about it, and just you know the privilege that came with being a male in the industry and X Y Z, and just uh, apologizing for not sticking up for what was right and going along with all these things and blah 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 blah. Honestly, I didn't read the whole shit. I just kept scrolling because. I felt the same way, too little, too late. You you were super late. I, when he expected to do the Super Bowl a few years back, I thought that was all bullshit. And that's when I already lost some respect for him at that point. Like, how how dare you? Um, and okay. even with this whole the, thing with Britney, what's that? It That happened that in 2000, 2004, the Janet Jackson yeah. thing. 
That was 2004. Yeah. It's 2021 now. And you're just now coming around to apologize. Did you apologize to her? Or did you just right. put that out in, in the public? Did you did you send right. out a text? Did you did you DM Janet Jackson like, hey, let me let me person like it seem it would seem more personable if he actually called or DM Janet Jackson or Britney Spears in private, talked to them, had a conversation, try to build some sort of relationship, and then maybe later on come out and do it publicly because if you're Britney Spears or Janet Jackson and you haven't had a conversation with this man since 2004 and now all of a sudden he's showing all this contrition and oh I'm so sorry and I did this I shouldn't have did that I should have whatever and you're just sitting here like wait what I haven't talked Mm -hmm. to you about this you haven't talked to you haven't apologized to me you're putting this is another performance by Justin Timberlake this isn't real and this is all this is all me assuming that he hasn't done anything behind the scenes. But yeah. you probably haven't talked that like at least Janet, that Super Bowl moment was in 2004. I was in high school when that happened. I'm a grown ass man with kids now. And you're just now apologizing? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I, yeah. I I haven't it's hard for me to like say like I don't like Justin Timberlake's music, like because I do. I like the music he did sure. on the Troll soundtrack because my kids listen to it, so now I listen to it and I actually like it. I like the <laughs> stuff that he did with Pharrell. I like the stuff that he did with the Neptunes or not with the Neptunes and, and, and the clips. Uh, the songs he did with Beyonce, I like those songs. Me, personally, I don't think him as a singer is anything special to be propped up the way he is. Like, There's no reason Justin Timberlake has two verses from Jay-Z. There's no reason he should have that. <laughs> he is not that good of a singer. Yeah. He's not that special of an artist. Now, Saturday Night Live, I think he's he's one of the best guest hosts ever. Like he he's mm. great at that. He needs to he needs to stick in that lane. But acting and as a singer, the way we prop him up on this pedestal like he's some sort of legend, the legendary JT, no, he's not that. That comes from the glory days of of being in a boy band. So being in that boy band, I mean, I, I love everything still. I listen to them still. But that came with a lot of privilege. And that was something that was pointed out in the documentary as well, as far as like, when Britney came on the scene, there wasn't any other female artist like Britney Spears, let alone her age. It was the world of boy bands. And that's why it was such a big thing when she came out. And then soon after you had Christina, you started to get your pink. You started to get all these other other great female artists. But Britney was essentially the first one out there. So she had to take a lot of flack from the media. And, you know, she's too sexy. She's too young. She's too this. She's too that. And blah, blah, blah. And the paparazzi and everything. So, I mean, if you guys have a little over an hour, I definitely recommend that you go ahead and give it a shot. Because I thought it was super powerful in terms of understanding her without actually speaking to her because because she never replied. And they also insinuate at the end of the show that they don't even know if she got it. You know, going back to this conservatorship, there's a whole big legal debacle there. Um, to not give away too many spoilers, but as like I was saying, with her father having, you know, control of her estate, control of her persons and everything else, he got sick, which is why Brittany suddenly stepped down for her Las Vegas residency. 
um, as it was at the prime, it was supposed to get heightened. She was supposed to get a whole new venue and such. It's going to be the biggest show. She ended up just stepping down because claiming her father was sick. Her father stepped down as well from conservatorship of her person, but not of her estate. Meaning he didn't want to be responsible for Britney, but he still wanted to be responsible for her money. Who wouldn't want to be? Right? And then she had, around that time, her one of the, the lawyers that were appointed conservatorship, because it was always a joint one. So it was her father as well as a lawyer appointed by the courts and whatnot. This man came out saying that he wanted a raise. He wanted a raise. He wanted an increase in the percentage because she was um, she was fit and sound and performing in X, Y, and Z. So one of those things where it's just like, so she's good enough to perform. She's sound enough to make these other decisions, you know, business-wise for herself in X, Y, and Z. But then you're saying that she's not sound enough to be responsible for herself, essentially. Now, I don't, nobody's really talked to her in all these years. We haven't had a real conversation with her. Um, a lot of things are speculation. But what we do know for sure is that she came out and she filed with the court saying that she no longer wants her father to be in control of her estate. She wants it to be, uh, she chose a financial institution to be in charge of her estate rather than a person. So that goes to show you. So she's not fighting necessarily saying, no, don't take off the conservatorship, which would be a huge battle. But she's saying, I don't want anybody personally to be in control of my money, which speaks volumes. So she lost that battle recently um, with the courts. They still, they denied it, but we'll see what happens. And, and you guys should still watch it. But here's the big kicker that I took out of everything and explained it really well. Because this is a conservatorship and everything else involved, she's paying for the whole thing. She's paying for her lawyers. She's paying for her, her conservatorships, right? Her father's lawyers, the other lawyer, like all of this legal, the back, all of this process, she's paying for it because who has control of her estate? Her dad. It's, That's crazy. It's insane. It's insane. So um, I, I skipped out a whole, a whole bunch about with the paparazzi and everything else, but it's one of those things that in just over an hour, it just made me like, no fucking wonder. No fucking well, wonder. Free Britney, bitch. Free Britney. <laughs> like, a lot of the people that I've heard talk about this thing, and they, and they said it's really uh, an indictment of how the media was back that day, back in that day. Like, mm -hmm. the media paparazzi how they dealt with her how they covered her how they talked about her and there's like there's a lot i haven't watched all the interviews that i have saved to my phone that i've been seeing on twitter but there's been a lot of a lot of people like diane sawyer's getting crushed um yep. david letterman Good. for inappropriate yep. like i haven't watched them so i don't know but they're they're asked like inappropriate questions about her personal life about her body all these things and it I almost like it almost person. kind of it shows how like how invasive the media and paparazzi were back then. And it shows how invasive we are now, like on Twitter, on Instagram, you feel like you can say whatever you want to these people. And you don't really think about the idea that there is someone on the other end of that tweet. Like there's a 99% chance that they don't see that, but they do see the one, the one that blows up, that goes viral. They probably see that. And mm -hmm. It's it's that's a lot for someone to take in. Like I, you know, a lot of people want you know artists like Beyonce or Kendrick to be more open about their personal lives, but it's like it to what end? What are we gonna do with that information besides we'll like it, we'll love it when you first give it to us, but then the one time 
you show us something super vulnerable or something that we don't agree with or understand now all of a sudden we hate now we hate you because me personally i think i think beyonce and kanye west are more alike than we think not not in the political sense not in like personality wise but i guarantee you if we sat back and we were just a fly on the wall watching beyonce put together like an album or a concert or a show that we would see how we would call it crazy the way that she acts and behaves and wants everything to be perfect the same way kanye does the same way michael jordan does the same way lebron does the same way uh steve jobs does all these great people that do these things that make them great we call them yeah. crazy because it's like why are you do why is it why are you this serious why are you this intense about this it's not that serious but it is and the reason they treat it that way is the reason why they're there while while why they're on that stage and we're paying to see them do that you know what i'm saying like there's a difference mm -hmm. in mentality like I, I read a book on kobe bryant and i read a book on michael jordan the stuff that they're doing is insane like legitimately insane but for them to be where they're at is what they had to do and that applies to britney kanye beyonce all these other people and another thing on britney before we'll, i'm sure we'll move on after this I know a lot of people were talking about the, uh, like the, what was it? The bus challenge with Chloe saying like, oh, why is she yeah. doing this? She's, you know, this is, is she too young to be doing this? And I, I looked up her age. Chloe is 22. When mm -hmm. Oops, I Did It Again came out, Britney Spears was like 17, 18. And, yeah. and I'm willing to bet it because now, nowadays it's different. Nowadays we got more women out here being video directors on set, you know, making sure people are comfortable. If we go back to that that point when Britney Spears was doing that video, wearing those outfits, dancing like that at that young of an age, how many how many supportive women do you think was around there? How many do you think a woman? I don't know. Do you think a woman directed that video? Do you think it was just a do you, or or was it just a, a set of grown ass men watching this 18, 17, 18 year old gyrate all over the floor? Like that's tough to deal with. The fact, the fact that Britney Spears is still alive is honestly a miracle, because she went through a lot. Like if you, does, yeah. if you look yeah. at the stuff that she went through, like personally and with the media paparazzi, I, I a weaker person would have killed himself. Honestly, a weaker person would have killed himself. So to run around and call these people crazy and weak is is pretty dismissive, honestly. Especially when you think about so many people think about Britney Spears and the shaving of the head and the attacking with the umbrella and the, the entire meltdown. And just imagine that that was a big story back then when it happened, but that was when social media was really in its infancy. Imagine if something like that happened now and then just like kind of compare and contrast. So she's definitely a strong woman that has been through a lot. Sometimes I do wonder because I'm like, okay, this was a real mega star that is still living that we don't even hear from anymore. Like she's just gone. This is why. Like, doesn't exist. And just to this talk about just for a quick second before we switch over to Marcus Music Minute, me and South Breeze, um, we went to Tampa once uh, to see Kanye West live. And I know Marcus, you've gone with him as well. During his set of his show, he would stop and direct people 
that were, you know, the behind the scenes people, the tech people to switch lighting, lore and control different aspects of the music. Like he is really in tune with everything that goes on in his shows. So I can only imagine what he's like behind the boards or just how obsessive and how quote unquote crazy you have to be to be that type of perfectionist. I mean, he was yelling at people about this mountain prop and which light from this area should shine here and there. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. But that's what it Sorry, takes, though. That's yeah, it, it, it does sometimes. You really want to be there. No. Sorry, I don't have corona, but <laughs> we will go ahead and, and this is the, about the year anniversary when it first arrived to the United States. But what we'll do, we'll pause, we'll take a break. We're going to go to Marcus Music Minute, and he's going to have a little bit of advice for one stallion. Every now and again, you might need a little extra mm, in your love life. Spice things up tonight by shopping at adamandeve.com with a vast array of toys, lingerie, and things to keep you coming. Don't forget to use KTSE at the checkout for free gifts to make your night just a little more spicy. I I went back and I listened to uh, Good News by Megan Thee Stallion and it's not it's it's a fine album like it still holds up like the the singles are still they're still fine like the songs are good i i i still like the the mix that i put together for it better than that but uh i feel like at this point megan as an artist has shown that she can move records like she's on a remix with ariana grande that's doing numbers she was on a city girls remix she was got a song with Nicki minaj she's got a song with beyonce she's got a bunch of songs with the baby whatever like she's a proven commodity at this point but i feel like if you listen to some of her earlier stuff she more so uh had that uh houston down south sound to her a little bit more it was a little bit more uh, pronounced and right now uh, I could kind of see if she continues to go in the way she's going, she's going to be just a better version of Cardi B as far as a rapper, where it's just going to be popular songs, um, uh, sounds that, you know, the general public can listen to, sounds that can play anywhere from like, you know, uh, um, what is it like uh, aerobics, aerobics classes, you know, spin classes. Zumba. Um, Zumba's anywhere, like where you can just play it and everybody likes it. Everybody can enjoy it because they understand the sound. It's more palatable. And for me, I feel like to get the best out of uh, Meg- Megan Thee Stallion, I think for her next album or even her next project, maybe it doesn't even have to be her full album, but I think she needs to do one or two things. The first one I feel like would be a layup and it would be easy for her to do. And that would be to have an album fully produced by Juicy J doing the style of production that he does mixed with the style of rap that she has, I think would be a real, it's, it's obviously a good mix. They've done plenty of songs together and they're all bangers. So, and, and that would almost be too easy. I feel like if you want to take a chance and kind of get back to your roots of, you know, where you're from, 
what you sound like and who you were influenced by and kind of put that out to the masses because she has a big following. A lot of people follow her. Everybody checks for her music. So if you really want to put on for your city and for your sound and um, represent your culture, and she said it before, her favorite rapper, most influential rapper of her life is Pipsy, right? And Pipsy is also a producer. Pipsy is no longer with us, so Pipsy cannot produce music for Megan Thee Stallion. But there is a producer out there, in my opinion, that is the closest thing to producing in the way that uh, Pipsy does, and that's Big Crit. Now, Big Crit is from Mississippi. He does have that, and he's also heavily influenced by UGK, Pipsy, Bun B, and all that. And if you go back and listen to some of his songs on his own albums, they're super soulful really bass heavy just real like them things like knock if you if you're someone that likes to drive around in the car and listen to music big crit makes that music for you and i'm not saying that the music megan Stein makes now isn't soulful but it, it kind of isn't soulful you know there's not a lot of there's not really anything behind it as far as production wise it's mostly is this going to play on the radio is this the type of song that if you hear it on the radio you're going to listen to and I feel like if you give her right. something that has a little bit more substance to it, a little bit more meat on the bones, then you can get more out of her as a rapper, as an artist. Maybe get something a little bit more personable. Maybe get something that's a little bit more slowed down. I'm not saying that she has to do that because I, I'm a big advocate of if you like, if you want to rap about sex, please do it because I will listen to you do that because I like to listen to that. No problems for me. <laughs> but if you want to, if you want to, it. it I'm I'm also more of a person who's like, especially when you're in that position. And I've said this about Drake too. Like, I feel like Drake should take more chances because he's established that he's a megastar. He's going to do a million. You're going to watch his videos. You're going to listen to a single. You're going to buy his album. You're going to see him on tour. It doesn't matter what he does. I was, I was, I don't want to say I was offended, but I was kind of offended when he, when he was making... He was making views, I believe it was. He was doing a press run about views. And he said he had an album that he really liked. And it was more of the melodic, more of the singing. Mm -hmm. But then once he realized what all he he had, he was like, I don't have enough rapping on this. There's certain people that I have to sell to that aren't going to understand what I'm doing because there's no rapping. So then he went back and just added rap songs on there to be more palatable, palatable, to the general public. And it's like, don't do that. You're Drake. You've you've done everything that you can do to get to this point to where you shouldn't be like, oh, I gotta, I have to do this to sell records. Views living that good. It, exactly. I mean, it, like you're, he's he's re- he's sold, reached the but it, 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 it and it's still it 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 sold. It doesn't matter what you do. So it's just like mm-hmm. take a chance, do something different. And Megan Thee Stallion doing a full EP or a full project with an artist, uh, a small artist compared to her, like Big Crit, that's a big risk and that's a big chance. But if it goes the way that I see it and I hear it in my mind, I feel like it's a perfect mix if if he is able to get something out of her. And the sounds are going to, like, you might not hear a lot of the, there, there might not be a single, quote unquote, if Big Crit does your album. But I feel like he would get the best out of you, the best lyrics, the best songs, the best emotions, the best feelings. And 
you know, artists like Megan, artists like Drake, like Kendrick, Kendrick don't care. Like Kendrick made um to Pimp a Butterfly. That was totally left field. But he didn't, but he he had reached the point where he can do that. He's got, I don't want to say he's got leverage, but he he can do that because he's an artist and he does, he he will put his art first, not selling records, not being popular. Because people hate, like, I, people go back and, and revisit, change history on how To Pimp a Butterfly was uh, perceived when it first came. People hated that album when it first came out. Nobody liked it. Nobody did. But over time, once you start to understand it, you listen to it, you stop, you start ignoring people that get on Twitter and call something a classic or trash within 12 minutes of listening to it. You, you start to see like, oh, this is something different. This is more artistic. This is something I'm not hearing anywhere else. So now I'm more engaged in it. Now I have to pay attention to it. Same with 808s and Heartbreaks. Same thing. People hated that album when it first came out. Don't let them tell you different because they did. Even uh, Childish Gambino's Awaken My Love, people hated that album when it came out. And that album is great. It's great. 808s is great. To Pippa Butterfly is great. But they took a chance. And if you stay true to yourself, it, the success that you're looking for will come. So Drake, take a chance. Megan, take a chance. All, all these artists, especially, and this is more for the established artists, and I hate that it has to be them, because I feel like newer artists can't do that because they're still new. Like Rico Nasty, she's doing some very different things. Like uh, uh, exploring like the rock stuff, all the stuff that Lil Uzi gets credit for. Like Rico Nasty is doing that, but she gets pretty much ignored for doing that. But that is, that, that's, you know, misogynistic or whatever. Separate combo. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a different conversation. But either way, Megan Thee Stallion, Big Crit, producing, I think that would be like some timeless classic music if they got together. You know what? That's a good I point. And, I like that. I like that, Meg. Yeah. That's kind of how I, when I ran through the Meg um, album, <clears throat> and recently I ran through Two Live Crew, uh, one of their older albums, and it was kind of the same feel. Like with two live crew, it's just okay. Let's party. Let's party. Let's party. But there's not a whole bunch of substance. And that's kind of how I felt listening to Meg's album. I mean, which is cool because you know, like you said, it's fun in your spin classes and your Zumba, your uh, pole fit classes in the strip clubs or whatever. But that was one thing that I really appreciated about Cardi. And whomever made the decision to start her album, Invasion of Privacy, off with Get Up 10, because that was something that it's that story is going to resonate with men, with women that you can relate to. That that story, that song is a real song. Like, And out of all the songs on Invasion of Privacy, that's the one that's near and dear to me that I constantly go back to. Whereas with Meg, it's kind of like, OK, well, this is this flavor of the month. Okay, cry baby, this okay, this song that, and then once it fades to black, it's just like okay, well, you know, these are old party songs. So, I definitely agree with your take on the direction that she should take. Hopefully, on a sophomore project, is I would like to actually get to know the real Meg. So, definitely, thank you for your input on that. So, we'll go ahead and uh, get ready to enter into our final battle or final topic. <laughs> Earlier in this week, 
Marcus <laughs> and I were in the group chat, and I'm um, essentially what happened. Was, <laughs> you you <laughs> had Aaron Rodgers was named MVP. Derrick Henry, Offensive Player of the Year. And I had a bit of a problem with that. If you guys don't know, Derrick Henry went over 2,000 yards, you know, basically carries the team all by himself, his team. I mean, now granted, when I looked at it, Ryan Tannehill is ranked by PFF as one of as the eighth best quarterback in the league. So, you know, he's no slouch. But I felt personally like Derrick Henry for rushing over 2,000 yards, for carrying the sorry-ass Tennessee Titans for the last two years. He deserves MVP and, and, and getting the 2K. Marcus, of course, he takes the other side of the spectrum. And then there was a statement that was made by myself that I could take 18 quarterbacks ahead of Derrick Henry. Henry, I'm sorry, Derrick Henry. Wow, I'm bringing back nightmares from old Jaguar players. I apologize. Derrick Henry, I could take the 18 best quarterbacks above him before I pick Derrick Henry because his position is so undervalued, which makes what he did that much more remarkable. So, Marcus, explain your take. Why is it that – well, I guess it's two sides of the spectrum here. Why do you feel that Aaron Rodgers deserves the MVP? We'll start with that. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers over the course of the season showed that he was um, the most valuable player on his team. Like, if you take, well, I don't want to. I'm not. I don't. I'm not going to talk about Derrick Henry. But if you take Aaron Rodgers off of the Green Bay Packers and you put whoever their backup is, I don't know who it is, but you put that backup in, they're not going 13 and three. They're not going to the a- NFC Championship game. They're not a Jordan Love, who they drafted in the no, first round. No, no, no. He's their third string quarterback. Yes, <laughs> he's their third stringer. I don't know who the second string guy is, but it's not Jordan Love. So, if you if and, and when you think about it, I'm glad you brought up Jordan Love because I wanted to talk about this. Um, a lot of people kind of, you know bring up, oh, well, why would the Packers trade up for Jordan Love? Why would they trade up for a quarterback that's not even – he's not even dressing because he's a third-string guy? Why Why did they do that? That's not what you should be complaining about. What you should be complaining about is that nobody in that entire draft class contributed to this team. Nobody. No one had any type of major contribution. So it's not about just what happened in the first round. It's about what happened in every round. But – Back to Aaron Rodgers. Like I said, you take Aaron Rodgers off of this team and you put in – put Ryan Tannehill in that position. Ryan Tannehill's not bad, but Ryan Tannehill's about a middle-of-the-road quarterback. I mean, the, the, the Green Bay Packers probably win nine to ten games, but no one's talking about them being a Super Bowl contender. So if you are if you lead a team as a quarterback to a 13-3 and three record and you put up numbers – that I'm willing to bet that no one has ever put up before. Like 70% completion percentage, over 4,000 yards, 48 touchdowns, and how many interceptions? Five? Like that's pretty hard to do. And I'm and I'm willing to bet if I go back and watch all five of those interceptions, I'm, I guarantee there's at least probably two or three of those that bounced off a of receiver's hands and got intercepted. Like – 
there probably weren't any like just bad throws where Aaron Rodgers just like, oh, I shouldn't have threw that one. That one's coming back the other way. Like those are those are that's like you can't even do that on Madden. Four thousand yards, forty-eight touchdowns, and five picks on a seventy percent completion percentage. Like how many quarterbacks have done? Like I know Peyton Manning ain't ever done that. Like he's thrown for that many touchdowns, but that few interceptions with that high of a completion percentage. That's tough, man. That's tough to beat. And we're talking all time. Those are all time numbers. And then, you, like I said, going 13 and three, I don't know, man. I'd, I'd be hard pressed to say that that is not more valuable than rushing the ball in this day and age. Okay. I'll give you that. You know, the, to me, that's the most impressive thing is 45 touchdowns or maybe a little bit more to only five picks. That That is an amazing stat. The thing that I kind of look at and I'm like, well, he only did 4,200 yards. That's not a ton. To me, if he would have did maybe 4,800, 5,000, then, yeah, he'd be a shoe-in. But let's talk about Derrick Henry here for a second. So Derrick Henry, I mean, it's been less than 10 players in the entirety of the league to rush for 2,000 yards, and he's one of them. He's he's one of the guys that did it. He put up 5.4 yards of carry, 17 touchdowns, and carried the team on his back. Now, this is my argument to make him the MVP. I feel like Derrick Henry is so far ahead. I mean, he's he's probably a good 600 yards ahead of the next best top rusher in the league, just based off of what happened. He plays a position that's been so devalued that I know for Jacksonville, we had an undrafted free agent that, you know, put up over a thousand, fourteen hundred total yards. He wasn't even drafted, wasn't even thought about. And you have Derrick Henry, who we routinely see carry the Titans to victory. Like, I want to say they won 10 games, and you bet your bottom dollar he was the lion's share reason of winning that. And I just feel like, both of them are amazing seasons. And I'm kind of like, well, why wouldn't he win the MVP and have Aaron Rodgers as the offensive player of the year? I mean, this is a guy that does everything for the team. But, I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, after further thinking about it, maybe it is because the position is so devalued. Maybe, maybe you can take 18 quarterbacks and get them, you know, an average. I, I could take the 19th quarterback with Derrick Henry and probably still make the playoffs, and I could probably take the worst running back in the league. I could probably take Joe Snow from wherever, where Aaron Rodgers, and still win 10, 11, 12 games just because he's so dynamic. So, I mean, I guess in the end here in your argument, I have to agree with you. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he deserved it. The the forty-five and five is it's, it's a ridiculous stat. Like, well, I was looking at I was looking at the numbers. Like, I, I looked at Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning has only one season where he did not throw double-digit interceptions, and he threw nine. Like Drew Brees has a couple of seasons where he threw for like seven and six and five, but he also didn't play every game that year. And those are like you know I I, I didn't look at Tom Brady, but I'm willing to bet Tom Brady doesn't have a season where he threw less than five interceptions. And, and like you said, the guy the guy in Jacksonville, undrafted, came out of nowhere. 
and he he rushed for a thousand yards. Like the Colts running back, second round pick. He was the third leading rusher in the NFL. You know, and is probably was probably the second or third most important person on our offense. So it's like if you look at the top top ten rushers in the NFL as far as statistics goes, and you take them and you put them in the spot that Derrick Henry was. I'm not. I, and I'm. I'm not sure how good the offensive line is, but I'm assuming that that offensive line is great if he's rushing for two thousand yards. But I mean, how do you feel about the Titans if instead of Derrick Henry they have Dalvin Cook, or they have Aaron Jones, or the guy from Jacksonville, Nick Chubb, uh, Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt? Uh, who else we got? Connor, like I feel like I could name a bunch of running backs that you could put in those positions. Mark, where if you I'm already sure. won. Well, I'm not. I'm yes. not. <laughs> I conceded, you man. You already won. You made your point. I'm not saying that any of these other guys rush for two thousand yards, but I'm not saying that the Titans are like that much worse without uh, Derrick Henry, as opposed to if you take Aaron Rodgers out and you put like you know Derek Lamar Hall. Jackson, who was obviously great, but he's Still not Aaron Rodgers. Like, I don't know. My bad. I feel like I'm rubbing it in now. So I'm going to stop. Yeah, you, 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 just a little bit. Just like with the Washington Wizards thing. But, you know, we'll help a lot. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up. I'm like 0-10 this year against Marcus Nipple in, in debates. I don't know what's going on with me. It's been a rough 2021. Any closing thoughts, you guys? Anything that you would? Well, I do have a closing thought real quick. So I have my Jaguars. Uh, scheme. I mean, not scheme mask. Damn, whatever this thing is. Oh, what, what is this called again? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm losing. It's a beanie. beanie. Okay, my Jaguars beanie. On. So this week, Jacksonville. Um, we've hired a new coach uh, about a month ago, maybe a little less. Urban Meyer, who had prior allegations of uh, hiding or concealing one of his assistants being an abuser of, of, of women, uh, beating his wife. Mm-hmm. So took a couple, well, he got suspended for that, took a couple years hiatus, comes back to coaching the NFL. Now he picks this Chris Dole guy to be a strength and conditioning coach. Now with Chris Dole, he had 50 players from Iowa to come out and testify against him for uh, saying things allegedly of, hey, if you don't perform harder or work harder, we're going to send you guys back to the ghetto. Uh, other racial, racially insensitive things, other tone deaf things. Uh, Urban Meyer tried to slip it under, like kind of just slip it on by thinking, hey, he's just a strength and conditioning coach. We can do this. Um, Black Twitter caught a hold of it. You know, it caused an uproar. Jamel Hill made some statements about it. ESPN blasted him about it. So as a Jaguar fan, I, I kind of felt like it's my duty to kind of speak on it a little bit. And I'm going to be honest, like, when you see things that happen in this nature and and you hear about things such as, like, Josh McNown getting an interview and he's never coached anything, whereas if you have prominent guys or even a a good future head coach like Byron Leftwich, who's African-American, not even getting an interview, it really just speaks to the good old boys mentality, like, Urban Meyer really thought like, hey, you know what? It's a strength and conditioning coach. I'll slide him on through. Um, I vetted him, whatever that means. And I feel like 
you know, he's he's apologetic for it. Now, now to put it in the context, Chris, in the context, Chris Dole was essentially paid one point one million dollars to leave Iowa and, you know, just kind of split, you know, be done with it. And for me, it, it's it's almost like a slap in the face as a black person. Like, how could you be so tone deaf? Like, or deaf, should I say, to where you would hire somebody that would make... Now, it's not the worst comments. He didn't drop the N with the ER. But to threaten players, and I know myself, South Breeze, Marcus, uh, you know, we played high school ball. L, I'm not sure if you played high school sports, did you? Or did, did you, play sports? you played softball. So I'm sure you're Kinda. familiar with <laughs> you're, you're familiar with coaches. Has anyone ever bit. said something like, hey, I'll send you back to whatever that's gonna identify you as the race you identify for? Like has that has that ever happened to you? No. To get you pumped up, like someone say, Hey, we're gonna send you back to the ghetto, you know. Like, what the fuck is that? No. I mean, I've been in other predicaments where I've been like, oh, well, you know, if you don't complete this successfully, we're going to send you back home. But, I mean, it's not like I'm going to send your ass back to that basement type thing. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't nothing specific to me. It wasn't nothing about sending me to the ghetto or anything like that. So, no. Okay. What about you, Marcus? Have you ever heard anything like that? And I mean, now trust me, now we've shared a coach. And so I know you've heard whistle dick yeah, and it, other... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're worse for guys. Well, too. the thing Let's is that... Point that out. I don't think it's yeah, a, I mean, just... It's a different type of tough on girls. I think a lot of people kind of take the whole, like, well, did he say the N-word? Well, then he's not racist. Like, a lot of people kind of throw that out there, and it's like, that. you know, there's other things mm-hmm. you can say that are, like, racially insensitive and racist that don't imply mm-hmm. the N and the ER. So I'm I'm almost certain that I've had uh, football coaches or any type of coach insinuate something or outright say something that is racist. And when you're like in that position as like a high schooler, like you're still you're still kind of young. He's still an adult. Almost most of them are teachers. They're in a position of power. They're grown man. You're still a kid. So you almost don't really know how to deal with that or how to handle it. And you, you know, you don't want to be seen as soft or a tattletale. So you kind of just suck it up. And that type of mentality is kind of beat into you. Like you just do what the coach says. He's just trying to fire up. There's nothing that can be said that's out of line because this is a locker room. This is for tough guys, whatever, whatever. And, um, you just kind of roll with it. And that goes probably all the way up until college. But having this guy in an NFL locker room, you can't you can't justify that and you can't talk to the NFL players like that. Like Mm-mm. most of them are already paid. Like you're not gonna talk to me any kind of way. I can buy a personal trainer. I can hire my own personal trainer. I don't need you to tell me how to lift weights. I'm already doing this. So it, it I don't him getting fired, him resigning doesn't bother me. I, I, he honestly, he didn't have to. Like he could have kept his job. No one would have cared. Honestly, if he would have never, if he didn't resign, nothing would happen. Like the media would be upset for maybe a week or two, but he would still have his job. If he does a good job at his job, he'll be fine. My issue is how did he get hired? How do you hire that guy with that track record? 
with that on his resume. Because I'm I'm guessing is like what Adolphus said, good old boy system. Oh, I know him. I can vouch for him. Can you? He was better. Because everybody else is saying this dude is racist and trash and he's put kids in the hospital with his workouts, but you're gonna vouch for him? Who's the who's the black coach that can do that? That can have that on his resume and get hired? Because I don't know if there is one. All right, and on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. So um, I'll say it again. Uh, looking for love this weekend. If you need some of those kangaroo pills uh, or extends, uh, definitely. Or or if you want the rose petal ladies or, you know, whatever it is that you guys do or sex swing, um, definitely go to adamandeve.com. Type in K-T-S-E, and you will receive a little... Okay, that's a little... <laughs> but it's Valentine's Day weekend, so I know everybody's getting busy except me because I pulled a hamstring, uh, both of them, thanks to South Breeze. Um, so oh, no. when you check out KTSE Avenue... I mean, Oh, God, just, just KTSE, you know, that'll really help out. Thanks, everybody, for your support. Um, I just wanted to say one more thing. It's time, and this ties into what, what what's kind of being said about being soft and stuff like that. On my closing thoughts, we need to let the bashing of Russell Wilson for loving his wife go. We need to let the toxic masculinity go. It's nothing wrong with loving your life, wife. There's nothing wrong with crying if you're a male. Just let it go. And one day I hope to shed light on... Um, the masculine vulnerability that we go through as African-American and people of color uh, in America and some of the ways that we're taught, but that's for another, for another show. But um, yeah, definitely shout out to Russell Wilson, fuck future, love your wife. Don't cheat on her. Have a happy Valentine's day. I'll pass it on to you guys with your shout outs and everything else. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, shout out to Chan. I, I didn't see that she was in the chat, so shout out to her for for showing up. Uh, yeah, shout out to the Future Hive, man. Y'all some weirdos, man. Like y'all, y'all cannot relate to Future's lyrics. So like y'all don't have six baby mamas. Y'all ain't having three sons. Y'all ain't freaking lean. You guys are more Russell Wilson than you think. All right. <laughs> Oh, I'm good. I think just the last thought, you guys, I think I'm going to stop eating eggs. I go to make eggs, eggs now, and I just nasty. look at eggs. And not even about gassy. I just think about, like, if this was fertilized, it would be a chickadee. You know? Like, that's what I think about. And then I see the little white squiggles, and now I'm like, that's a sperm that almost made it to the egg. <laughs> And I think I'm just, oh my I really think I'm going to give up eggs. And I've had like fresh, like the real fresh farm eggs that have like the chicken feathers still on it. And I made it even worse. I really should have, I opened one, it was two, it was twins. It was supposed to be twins. You know, like I can't, it looks like normal eggs. Don't get me wrong. There's something weird about it per se, but I just, I think I got to give up eggs, you guys. It's been on my mind. Yeah, you're chicken sperm, I probably <laughs> would too. And I don't know, yeah, you know, definitely. me, I'm a nut butter Pay connoisseur. Attention. I don't want any nut butter from 
chickens or roosters. So. Next time you crack oh. your eggs, when you crack it, look for the white squiggles. It's in all of them. Well, if you're into cracking eggs and eating sperm, go to adamandeve.com. <laughs> <Just> put KTSC. <laughs> yes. KTSC. In the checkout, get a free gift. Get some spermicidal lube. So you won't see the sperm in your eggs. We are KTSC Avenue. The double gated, the double gated community that none of us have ever been in. Uh, signing out. Thank you. Bye.